This is Reese Davis, and you're listening to the Galloway Podcast. Joey Galloway does a great job on this podcast. Wait, this is not Joey Galloway's podcast? Well, who is it? William Galloway? Really? Have they run out of Galloways to do podcasts? Okay, you're listening to William Galloway's podcast. Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 29 on this Wednesday, November 20th. Hope you had a good laugh at that Reese Davis voiceover. Reese came and spoke to students here at Alabama and had a little fun doing some intros for my podcast, so appreciate that and hope you enjoyed it. As I said, the Galloway Podcast, I'm your host, William Galloway. I want to give a quick shout-out to my dad on this Wednesday, November 20th, his birthday. Happy birthday, Pops, if you're listening to this. Big roll tied to you. Listeners, I'm glad you are tuned in to the Galloway Podcast. Got a lot to talk about today. Jim Dunaway from the Jocks Roundtable joins the podcast momentarily. And Tua Tungavailoa is obviously the big story. We're going to talk about Tua. We're going to jump into that here in a second. And we're going to talk about his injury, what kind of happened in that Mississippi State game. We'll talk about plenty of Tua with Jim as well. After Jim, we're going to talk a little Alabama basketball. Big win over Furman on Tuesday night, 81-73, to inside Coleman Coliseum to go 500 on the season. The tide is 2-2. Two and two. We'll talk about that game. We'll do a brief segment on the NFL, look at Kaepernick's workout and Miles Garrett. What's up with Miles Garrett? What in the world was he thinking there? Uh, he wasn't thinking. That's that's the answer. And lastly, I'm going to leave you with a question about Tua. And uh, so the Galloway Podcast, let's get it started. Episode 29, glad you're tuned in. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. The Galloway Podcast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So be sure to like, subscribe, and check out the podcast there. I want to give a shout-out to our college football Week 12 score prediction winner from Twitter, the Mississippi State winner is Terry Truss. He had Alabama 42-7, and of course the Tide rolled over the Bulldogs 38-7. So Terry Truss, congratulations. But that win, 38-7 over the Bulldogs, came at a price for the Crimson Tide. Tua Tungavailoa's hip, he is out for the season. A devastating blow for the Tide. We'll talk about him with Jim. But I want to give a couple thoughts um, on that situation and why he was in the game and and things like that. A lot of people were watching that game and saying, "Well, why does Tua need to play?" And he he's you know he's Alabama's up 38-35-7. He's he's not. It's it's garbage time. It's not garbage time. There's two and a half minutes left in the first half. I didn't know two and a half minutes left in the first half was garbage time. If he was not healthy and Coach Saban didn't feel comfortable with him going out there, he wouldn't have played against Mississippi State. Heck, he wouldn't have played against LSU. Look back if you're complaining. About about him playing in that game, complained about him playing against LSU. He was healthy. He was fine. He was ready to go. And uh, unfortunately, it just it did not turn out in his favor. Uh, why not play your best players? Tua is your best player. You want to see him. You want to get him good reps on the road in SEC play. And why would you not want to play your best players? If you're an athlete, you want to compete. He wanted to be out there. And you can't predict injuries. I mean, you can't predict freak accidents like that. People can say Tua is injury prone and you know they should have known he was going to get injured. No one knows when you're going to get injured. No one, I mean, you can't predict anything 
in in terms of injury in college football and athletics in general. So I don't even I don't even want to hear that. That's just that's just total garbage. For the Crimson Tide now, it's all about how you respond and and what's next. And of course, what's next is Western Carolina, but it's not a big game. It's not something that fans are particularly looking forward to uh, because of the emotional you know loss of of Tua and and him not being able to ever probably strap up for the Crimson Tide again if he turns pro. Um, but Alabama, you know, as a team, they move on. Coach Saban looks at film. The players go to meetings, and, and, and life goes on with or without your quarterback. Mac Jones is stepping in for his second start of the season. And uh, a, a couple of, of bright spots, even though we, he, we know he won't be playing, Dylan Moses posted on his Instagram story that he was running at 80% and 7.5 miles on the Alter G. Uh, that was earlier this week, so a little promising sign of Dylan Moses slowly getting healthier. Again, uh, Alabama will not see him on the field this year year uh, in all likelihood. But plenty of injuries from last week. Raekwon Davis, DJ Dale, Henry Ruggs. Um, the depth at defensive line, of course, with LeBron Ray being out for a while now is something that Alabama's got to figure out this weekend against Western Carolina and how they can sustain and how they can mesh as a group before going to Auburn in a week and a half. It's going to be huge to see how that defense really molds and gels and how they kind of Regroup now that that Raekwon's out and DJ Dale is not healthy and probably won't play this week. Um, but injuries all over the board for Alabama. I mean, all season, even before the season, Alabama has been attacked with injury and responded and responded and responded. Came within five of beating what is now the number one team in the country, LSU. So we've seen tons of resiliency from this Alabama football team week in, week out, all year long. It's been incredible to watch. So. You know, we can talk all day, but let's get the expert in here, Jim Dunaway, joining the Galloway Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Jim Dunaway, J-I-M-D-U-N-A-W-A-Y. Joining the Galloway Podcast now is a longtime radio and TV personality, currently the co-host of the Jocks Roundtable on WJOX 94.5 weekdays uh, in Birmingham, 6 to 10. Jim Dunaway, how you doing, Jim? Doing great, man. Looking forward to our conversation about football today. Yeah, well, there's tons to talk about. There always is, but especially um, in this what's been called the November to Remember, and this weekend was kind of just a circus for college football. So, Jim, kind of take us through the weekend, and what are your initial takeaways from Saturday um, and the fact that Tua went down, he's out for the season, then Auburn fell to Georgia. What are your biggest takeaways from this weekend? Well, for me, I was in Starkville, so I was at ground zero of the biggest story in college football so far this year, and that's the injury to Tua Tungabaloa. Though Alabama may not have gotten into the college football playoffs with Tua, the, the road seems a lot, a lot longer now. And the big discussion for me quickly turns to Tua Tungabaloa at the next level. Is he able to come back and have a productive NFL career? And I see his draft stock right now all over the place. But more importantly is us as Alabama fans, if you fall into that category, or us as SEC or college football fans, do, did we get enough of Tua Tungvaloa? And I don't think we did because of the way the schedule worked out. You know, this isn't next year's Alabama schedule where they have quality USC and Georgia in week three and the challenging SEC West schedule that they have. It was a pretty lame Alabama schedule this year. It wasn't back-breaking last year. And Tua Tungvaloa's career comes down to a second-half comeback in the national championship, a lot of blowouts where he was out of the game in the third quarter, 
a loss to Clemson, and what we've gotten from him this year, a loss to LSU, and some more blowouts. And for one of the greatest, most dynamic players in college football history and in Alabama history, I just don't think we got enough quality football from Tua Tungvaloa, and it's sort of bad circumstances from the schedule. So I sort of feel cheated as a football fan that I wanted more Tua Tungvaloa in those great moments like we saw at LSU last year, LSU this year, Orange Bowl, even a national championship loss, at least we saw Tua Tungvaloa in a meaningful moment, and we just didn't get a lot of that. Yeah, we really didn't, um, and obviously we won't with this huge injury. When he went down, what was your initial thought on, was it, did you think it was just a nosebleed? Because you could tell he was, bleed, he was bleeding. I was there, you were there, um, and being as far up as we were, I was in the upper deck, you were in the box, but you couldn't really tell, you couldn't hear his screaming and stuff like that. What did you think the injury was at first? Well, at first I, I did think it was a, just a bloody nose, the way his helmet came off. I thought maybe you know, maybe even a concussion or something like that. But instantly when they, he couldn't put late, a, leg, a weight on the leg and them lifting him up by his belt, uh, I instantly thought maybe a knee. And then when it became obvious it was a hip, the way they loaded him on the cart, it became a, a much more serious situation. And you started really thinking about his future. I was in such a malaise uh, all Saturday night. I, I canceled all my social plans in Starkville and drove back to Birmingham. And all day Sunday, you know, I was even telling my wife, you know, it just, you just hate for it. It's going to be something that lingers not only with the Tungvaloa family, you know, but with Coach Nick Saban and with the Alabama program. You just don't want it to end like that. And it just left me in such a bad, bad uh, mood until I saw Tua Tungvaloa and his family in the hospital room and the way they handled everything with such uh, faith and class that that really is what brought me out of being uh, – you know, Mr. Downer to looking at things a little bit more positive uh, and with a little bit more hope. And I, you know, I credit the Tonga Balolas for doing it that way. Yeah, no, they are definitely a family of faith and they show that. Um, and it's just really cool to see the way that they respond and the way that Tua responds with positivity. And so it's reassuring. Um, and he's always in, in hopeful spirits. And Saban said Monday that, that he's always um, in, in good spirits and he's a very spiritual guy. And his positivity is going to be a great thing moving forward. Jim, you look a lot at this weekend and you think about, well, should he have been in the game? Was he healthy? And there's been a lot of discussion from fans and different people. What is your take on um, where Tua should have been in the game? Should he have been playing? Was Saban making the right call, giving him that two-minute drill and that opportunity? Uh, Because a lot of people are debating back and forth. What's your stance? Well, I think a lot of people are hypocrites, to be honest with you, uh, because I was one of those people. Man, maybe if, if two is at least 75%, if he's 80%, I want him to play against LSU. Well, if you want him to play against LSU, then he should be playing against Mississippi State because he was better off uh, in Starkville than he was in Tuscaloosa before the LSU game in warm-ups. So don't be a hypocrite. If you wanted him to play against LSU because that game meant so much to you and to the program, then he should have been out there against Mississippi State because the same thing is on the line. Um, and maybe you didn't feel like they were going to lose to Mississippi State, but I promise you, if Alabama only beat Mississippi State 17-7, to any hope you had to get into the playoffs wasn't going to uh, to still be there if you set Tua Tagovailoa out. And then, you know, if you're saying, I'm going to leave Tua out, well, then, you know, what about, what about Jedrick Wills, who may be playing on a sore ankle? Should we take him out too? He's a first-round draft talent. What about Jerry Judy? I mean, Ruggs gets hurt. Raquan Davis gets hurt. 
you know, the quarterback is a quarterback. And there are things he can do more to protect himself than a receiver can, than an offensive lineman can. So don't be a hypocrite. If you if you wanted him out there against LSU, like I'm sure almost every Alabama fan did, then you probably shouldn't second-guess yourself or the coach on having him out there in Starkville. Uh, I had no problem with it. It's a sick feeling when it happened. Uh, when it's 35-7, you know, do you start thinking – taking him out well then if you if you think he should be out then you haven't been paying attention to Nick Saban he always in these blowouts plays his starters through the first half and the first drive at least of the second half it's a routine it's what he's always done and I don't fault him for doing it again on Saturday it's horrible that happened uh, but I don't fault the coach for doing it yeah I mean, football is a contact sport. It's a grown man sport. Nobody can predict injury. And I, I saw people on Twitter say, well, you know, he shouldn't be playing in garbage time. Well, I didn't know two minutes left in the first half was considered garbage time in college football now. I mean, you just th- – these things happen, and it's really unfortunate. Um, and it's all about how you respond. And for Tua, it's just really a really sad situation, and you can't predict that coming. Um, and so, you know, it is it is what it is. And as I said earlier, he's, he's moving on with – grace and humility and and in good spirits jim when we look at auburn on the plains what did you think about that game against georgia and uh bo nix's performance and how he's been this season compared to how he's been in november well that's a big ball to unwrap there i I would say first off on the georgia game uh it was a gutsy effort by auburn to get back in that thing they actually had ball in hand with a chance to drive for the tie and had a really you know bang bang seth williams reception that was overturned and in review. Uh, George changed defenses to sort of, you know, nurse that one to the end, and it almost came back to bite them in a very conservative way of calling plays and playing defense. Uh, but give Auburn credit for being gutsy. And they've won the games they're supposed to win this year, and maybe even one that was 50-50 against Texas A&M. And they've been in games against um, against Florida, and they've been in games against Georgia late, and they've been in the game against LSU and Baton Rouge. It's been a tough schedule. So Auburn is about where I expected Auburn to be. I had them actually finishing 9-3 and three, uh, before the season. So if they beat Alabama, they get to be 9-3 and three with a big win over Alabama. I probably thought they would have beaten Florida in Gainesville or LSU or Georgia along the way, but it hasn't happened. And I think Bo Nix has progressed in places, but that whole offense hasn't grown as much as, say, Oregon has since their first game. And some of that's due to the offensive line. You watch that Auburn offense, and when they can't run and they couldn't against Georgia, then you're going to throw the ball 50 times with a true freshman. And that offensive line, that's not a recipe for success. And I think that's where Auburn has gotten into problems this year is the pressure on the young quarterback where he bails out of the pocket and he's on the run a lot. And not a lot of quarterbacks can survive that kind of pressure and have a magical season. So... Uh, Auburn has turned out to be just about what I thought they would be, um, an 8-4, 9-3 type team. They have got a tough road ahead with Alabama coming to town. Alabama's got a tough road going in there with Mac Jones in two weeks. Um, but when you look at the rest of the season, how do you see the chips falling in line and the, the puzzle pieces, how do those line up for you? Um, when you look at Alabama's chances to make college football playoff, everyone talks about you got to beat Auburn and, and Georgia's got to lose to LSU, but what do you foresee happening in the remainder of the season until the college football playoff polls, uh, the final polls come out? Well, I think the only way Alabama gets in is a lot of chaos, but not chaos with 
the three top teams. You don't need LSU to lose. You don't need Ohio State to lose, and you don't need Clemson to lose because any of those lose, that hurts your case. So what you need to do is be hoping for chaos behind them. Uh, another Georgia loss to LSU uh, is where you need that loss to happen. You need Oregon to lose before they get to the Pac-12 championship game, either this week to Arizona State or to Oregon State. You need Utah to lose to Oregon in that Pac-12 championship game. It wouldn't hurt if Oklahoma lost to Oklahoma State uh, in the Bedlam game before they got to the Big 12 championship game or Baylor beating them back. Uh, The only one-loss conference champion that I think Alabama could get in ahead of would be Baylor because of Baylor's out-of-conference schedule. But even that would be 50-50. So uh, two losses from Baylor. Oklahoma, Oregon, Utah, Georgia, before you get to that championship weekend. Two losses from Penn State. I think that's the only way Alabama gets in. And, uh, and you know, that may not be automatic with the, with the injury to Tua Tungabaloa. Uh, but I think you hit it more on, more on the head there. I think it's more important for Alabama to, to just survive Auburn and finish the season with just one loss and then go take your chances at a bowl game, maybe an Orange Bowl against a very lackluster ACC runner-up. That may be best-case scenario for Alabama this year, and that wouldn't be too bad of an ending if you're not in the college football playoffs. Well, no, and and there was a little bit of standstill last night when the rankings came out with LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, but a lot of Alabama fans look at Georgia being number four and say, well, they've got that loss to South Carolina, and Alabama and Georgia have that common opponent in South Carolina. Why is it that you think Georgia is that four and Alabama is that five when Alabama's only losses to that number one team in the country? Well, it's because of who Alabama hasn't beaten. I mean, Georgia has beaten Notre Dame ranked team. They've beaten Florida, ranked team. They just beat Auburn on the road, ranked team. Uh, Alabama has none of that, zero, none of that. So it's not always about who you lose to. It's also who you beat. So Alabama has none of that. So Georgia's resume is a lot better, and they're deserving of being number four. Um, What you don't want to happen is Georgia, if if you're any of the teams that I've been talking about trying to get in there, you don't want Georgia to beat LSU because Georgia, if they went out, will be in the college football playoffs, and LSU will be too. So at that point, um, the Big 12 and the Pac-12 would be hurting. Yeah. Jim, looking at these last two weeks in the college football season, Alabama's got Western Carolina coming to town this weekend. Uh, A banged-up defensive line. Mac Jones getting another start for the Crimson Tide in the regular season. What do you expect to see from the Tide this weekend and adjustments made and kind of transition, this, this kind of game of transition from Mississippi State in between Mississippi State and Auburn? Uh, what, what are the big keys for Alabama? Uh, this is just a bye week. It's, it's what it always is. It's why they put these games here, uh, and I hate this week. Uh, you know, this is, this is a horrible week for the SEC when they have these type games, and it really is a shame for the fans that they've got to go and, and uh, you know, spend money on this game. It's a great one to take your first game to as a kid, but uh, I just don't like this game. And next year we'll get away from this. Next week, the week before the Iron Bowl, will be meaningful games. Uh, and that's the way it should be. And I think we should be a nine-game nine league in the SEC and get rid of playing FCS altogether. But you tell me how many people are going to be in Tuscaloosa for Western Carolina. The place won't be full. Sanford-Auburn, the place will not be full. UT Martin in Kentucky, the place will not be full. 
Eastern Tennessee State and Vandy. The place will not be full. Abilene Christian and Mississippi State. I mean, come on, we're the SEC. We shouldn't be playing these games, especially this late in the season. No, absolutely not. But it's a, it's a bye week. It's all it is. It, it is a bye week. But you look at how the the season progresses and how teams just tear each other up, and they get to November, um, and it, it is. It's got to be a nice breather. And we know from history that Saban is never going to sit there and say, "Oh, we got a bye week." But you know, he's doing things like taking Monday practice off and, and giving his guys a little bit of rest. But this transition is going to be really interesting as Alabama's banged up on the defensive line. Mac Jones. Jones has got to get his mind right going into, no doubt, the biggest game of his life in Auburn in, in a week and a half from today's time. Um, I just, you know, it, as, as a fan and as a college student, it feels like a chore waking up, going to an 11 a.m. game in Bryant-Denny to get to see this game. Um, but then again, it's guys like Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, even though Ruggs probably won't even be playing, um, to see their last game in Bryant-Denny uh, and, and to see this team, you got to appreciate how special this team is and how special these guys are. And so I don't want to take it for granted. So I will be. No, but but I, I don't I don't want their final game and their final memory to be Western Carolina either. Wouldn't it be better if their final game was against LSU at yeah. Bryant Denny Stadium, or their final game at Bryant Denny Stadium was against Auburn or Georgia or a team like that? That's to me that's more meaningful of a senior day than uh, having to wrestle together seventy thousand fans to say goodbye to some great players in Alabama history. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jim, when we look at the college football playoff, um, give go ahead and give us your final four for who you see making it and how they square up. Well, I mean, if everything stays to chalk, I believe it'll be uh, Ohio State at one, LSU at two, Clemson at three, and a Pac-12 champion at four. And we'll get an LSU-Clemson matchup to wherever Ohio State wants to to drag that fourth Pac-12 team, which I assume would be Atlanta. They'd want to keep the Pac-12 as, as far away from Phoenix as they'd want to. So I would project out, and this is only a projection, that Ohio State will be number one and the number four team would be the Pac-12 champion, and then LSU and Clemson would play in Phoenix. Now, if they want to keep LSU one, then uh, you would have LSU in the Pac-12 uh, champion playing in Atlanta, and then uh, send Clemson and Ohio State out to Phoenix. But those are the four teams I would project being in the playoffs. Gotcha. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes up. And then lastly, an Iron Bowl prediction from you? Oh, uh, I mean, uh, that's going to be too close to call. I think the Todd Furman told me today on the show from uh, from Las Vegas he expects the point spread to open up at Alabama minus two and a half. Uh, that's a long way from you know a couple of touchdowns like it was back in the summer. Um, it'll probably be close to a pick at the game. Uh, I think Auburn can run the football on Alabama. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Alabama can do against that Auburn defense. I'd say a low-scoring game, and I would – you know, right now, take Alabama to win a very close, hard-fought game that was a look a lot like Auburn and LSU, uh, and would look a lot like you know some of the Alabama Auburn games before Alabama had Tua Tagovailoa. So, some something in the twenties, and uh, you know something very close, one possession type game. So, I'd take Alabama twenty-three twenty. I'd say Bama twenty-three twenty coming up in a week and a half on the Plains, 2.30 kickoff on CBS. Jim, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I really appreciate it. No problem, man. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Jim, and I hope you all enjoyed that. Tweet Jim at Jim Dunaway on Twitter. Tweet me. Let me know your thoughts at WM underscore Galloway. 
and hope to have him on the podcast again soon, breaking down college football as this truly is the November to remember for good and bad reasons, both depending on your fandom and who you're pulling for. It has been uh, storylines all month long and the storylines are only growing and the expectations are heightening and the college football playoff is around the corner and there's so much to discuss so thank you jim for taking your time to call into the galloway podcast hope y'all all listen all the listeners hope y'all enjoyed that so moving from the football field over the hardwood now from bryant denny to coleman coliseum alabama basketball last night tuesday night got a win over the Furman Paladins, 81-73. to Big win for the Crimson Tide, getting back on the winning side of things after what was a pretty brutal game and road trip to Rhode Island last Friday night when Alabama turned the ball over 20-plus uh, times. They did. They turned the ball over 20-plus times again last night. It was not pretty, but Alabama did come out on top, which is always a good thing. But, I mean, you look at this Alabama team this year. They're 2-2. Two and two. They've won two at home, lost one at home, lost one on the road. Nate Oates has gotten two technical fouls, and both times he's gotten a technical foul, Alabama's won the game. And I'm not saying those two things correlate, but I, for one, am not opposed to Nate Oates getting technical fouls. I'm not opposed to our head coach getting technical fouls. Sure, you can say, oh, that gives the team the other points or whatever. But, I mean, we're not sitting here to compare. We're not talking to compare coaches and compare eras and things like that, but it took Avery Johnson four years to get a technical foul at home. Nate Oates has gotten two, and it's November, and he's coached four games. It fire, It shows he's passionate. It shows he's fired up, and I'm about it. I think it's fine. You know, you're not going to want to do that, and that's not how you want to rep- represent yourself every game, but... He's coaching his team, and he believes what he's coaching, and he believes his players are doing it the right way. And if the refs aren't seeing it that way, well, he's going to let them know. And that's that's what it all boils down to. And you can get you can talk nitty-gritty, but he's coaching his team the way he wants to. I'm a fan. I'm enjoying it. I don't have a problem with it. Coach Oates, give them all you got. Roll Tide. Uh, but Alabama last night, big win, eight-point win. And as I was mentioning the turnovers, Alabama had 22 last night. Over 80 turnovers on the season in four games is just a terrible stat. I mean, it's disgusting. Absolutely just, no, you can't do that in college basketball. And when you look at the team, you say, oh, they're going to fix it. It'll be okay. Like four games with 20-plus turnovers? I mean, you get to SEC play, and if you don't figure this out, you're going – Six and twelve, you know, if, if you turn the ball over that many times, and and I understand Alabama plays at a fast pace. They're going, they're moving, they're still trying to figure it all out. And you've got players that are that's awareness, players whose awareness levels are different, um, and and their their interpretation of the speed of the game is is still changing and adapting. But I mean, come on, you cannot turn the ball over twenty two times. Kyra Lewis had seven last night. That's inexcusable. As the point guard, you're going to have a lot of turnovers, but seven, far too many. Four from Herb Jones. Um, only one from Petty. Petty has is, is, is gotten a lot better after having six against Florida Atlantic. So uh, somewhat of a positive note there. But Javian Davis has been playing extremely well since being inserted into the starting lineup last night. Tuesday night he had ten points, uh, five rebounds, and in 27 minutes, I mean, he's playing really well. Shackelford was hitting from all cylinders last night, 7 of 12 from the field, 3 of 8 from beyond the arc. He had 25 points. Petty had 16, so Petty was knocking down his threes as well. 
as well. He had three threes, um, and I'm not going to sit here and read over the entire scorebook, but having four guys in double figures with Kyra having 19, Shackleford 25, Petty 16, and Javian Davis making a huge contribution inside the paint with 10 points um, and also hitting down two knocking down two free throws is big and it's a positive sign for Alabama but as a team they just need to mesh and gel and limit these turnovers and I think they could be okay going into future games now the big question in this huge test going into Atlantis is North Carolina in the first game Alabama's got I think 10 days from now to adjust and get ready for this North Carolina team I mean this is this team is something like Alabama hasn't seen all year obviously and it's going to be the best team they probably play until conference play um Alabama, North Carolina is going to be one. You have to watch every single second of it because you're going to be able to take a lot away from this North Carolina game. Really excited. That's coming up in Atlantis in just about a week and a half. So get ready for that Thanksgiving week around that time. Alabama basketball. So mentioned Javion Davis playing well. Mentioned North Carolina next week. Also, big news for Alabama. Keon Ambrose Hilton committed this past Sunday, the number two player in all of Canada. The number 58 prospect, according to ESPN, a four-star recruit, is Alabama's first commit for the 2020 class. Nate Oates has mentioned that they want to you know, keep getting guys for this 2020 class, but the emphasis is on the 2021 recruiting class. Alabama right now, of course, only has one senior, with Beetle Bolden being the grad transfer from West Virginia. And so they're putting emphasis on this 2020 class, but a lot of the focus and more importance is on the 2021 class because Alabama isn't losing that many people next year. Might lose Kyra to the draft. Definitely Beatles going to graduate and be out of here. So there's not that many spots to fill, uh, but it's still important. And Nate Oates said they'll probably go after some JUCO guys or trying to get some people to transfer. Um, and, of course, Alabama will have Javon Quinterly. We've discussed that whole situation. Also talked about that with uh, Greg Byrne. He was up in the student section. Greg Byrne comes to the top of the student section every game. Uh, on, on away games and talks with fans, shakes hands, and takes pictures. And it, he does an incredible job. I asked him about Quinterly, and he said uh, just what he's told everybody. I mean, they've been in communication, and I don't, I don't know if he was expecting to talk Alabama basketball with students at a Mississippi State game. Uh, this was we, we talked before the two injury, of course. Uh, but he said, you know, they've been in communication with the NCAA, haven't gotten a statement, and uh, it's a really unfortunate situation. So what he's been telling everybody and what he said in his statement uh, just reaffirmed Affirmed that this weekend in Mississippi State. So that's the Tide Hoops update. North Carolina coming up next. Big test. Going to have to tune into that one on the ESPN family of networks coming up in just um, a, a, f- a few days' time around Thanksgiving, around that Thanksgiving window. Alabama versus North Carolina, the headline non-conference matchup for the Tide this year. Jumping over to the NFL briefly, um, wanted to give a quick remark on Miles Garrett hitting Mason Rudolph in the head. What in the world? I mean, that was the most foolish thing I've ever seen. You're not thinking. You're not using your brain. Like you could have held, you could have killed him, and and that's just unacceptable. Obviously, the NFL has indefinitely suspended him, which I think is right. He should be suspended indefinitely, which he is, and he will hopefully be suspended for a large chunk of next year, uh, along with some hopefully some heavy fines. Um, there's no place for that. I mean, and and that goes without saying. It, it, that is just stupid. It's foolish. And that was just really horrifying to see, honestly. Um, and NFL's got to be better. Miles Garrett definitely has to be better. It's, it's just the NFL is just a circus right now. And then you throw in Kaepernick and, and doing a workout. Hey, you know, last time I went to the gym, I didn't get 25 NFL teams to show up and then go somewhere else. I mean, dude, 
give it up. Hang up, hang up the helmets, hang up the cleats. Kaepernick, I really don't know if anyone's going to pick him up, but that is a conversation for another day. Um, I want to leave listeners with a question here on the Galloway podcast about Tua and about college football in general. This is very open-ended, and I want you to tweet me your thoughts because uh, I want to hear what you have to say. Does Tua's injury change your mind on paying college athletes? Why or why not? And I'm not going to give any reason. I'm not going to say, oh, you know, he lost money here, lost money there, could have gone top three in the NFL, and now he's injured. I just want to know what y'all think about does Tua's injury change in your mind or tweak in your mind what do you think about paying college athletes? Tweet me at WM underscore Galloway. Let me know why or why not. Lastly, Galloway Podcast merchandise before we close up. Podcast koozies are for sale. Great merchandise for the holiday season coming up around. It would be a great stocking stuffer. It would be a great gift to a friend. Galloway Podcast koozies. Black koozies with the crisp, clean Galloway Podcast logo designed by Michael Tortorisi. You definitely want to get your hands on one of those. DM me or contact me to get your Galloway Podcast koozie today. T-shirts are in the making. And uh, we'll let you all know when we get those made and we'll get those out for sale. And also, the last Galloway Podcast hat will be a giveaway. The black Galloway Podcast hat. Stay tuned. Next week, we're going to do an Iron Bowl score prediction and then a tiebreaker, and the winner will get the last Black Galloway Podcast Nike hat. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening to the Galloway Podcast. Thank you to Jim Dunaway for your time today and to the listeners on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. I really appreciate you and would appreciate any feedback as well. This is the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway. Galloway.